0: Hello, and welcome to Betty in the Sky with a Suitcase. I'm Betty, Flight Attendant Betty. And in this episode, I had collected a bunch of stories that were ever so slightly could possibly be considered politically incorrect or offensive. They're stories about bodily functions and maybe a couple ethnic stereotypes But, you know, I decided to do them anyway because they all are so very funny, and I really doubt that anyone would truly be offensive. And at the end of the episode, there will be a story that hopefully should bring everything full circle. And that story is from the Himalayas. Um, Okay, this is a night flight, and um, everyone's asleep, or almost everyone's asleep. But somebody in uh, the forward part of the coach cabin is um, passing a lot of gas and it stings
1: so this friend of mine decides he's gonna go find out who is doing this it is just grossing out the whole cabin so he goes walking through the cabin and he's slowly eyeing each and every person and this one woman looks at him and she says don't you be looking at me it wasn't me it was him over there i saw him lift his leg <laughs> we were uh, doing Desert Storm actually was uh, Desert Shield, uh, getting ready for the Desert Storm, uh, carrying cargo for the Special Forces guys. And uh, where were you? We're in uh, Pope Air Force Base, out uh, near where the Special Forces guys stage out of uh, in uh, um, South Carolina, and getting re- and taking their stuff back and forth over to uh, Saudi Arabia. Uh, they uh, we had all kinds of different things that we carried for them. Anyway, uh, the guy who was loading everything came up to me and asked me or told me that uh, I'd never be able to guess what uh, we had just loaded on. And I, went, I went through a bunch of the uh, cosmic weapons that I was aware of that those guys were using. And uh, uh, he, he was laughing. He said, you'll, you'll absolutely never guess. And I went through some more. And I did not guess. And he told me we had one pallet of Kotex on board. <laughs> they uh, evidently the ladies had gotten over there. The planners had uh, forgotten that maybe they needed to plan for this situation, <laughs> and uh, so this entire pallet uh, was devoted to them and actually uh, had priority over some of these other uh, things that we. Yeah, you would have never guessed. I never would have. And he said, uh, "He said, well, in a way, it is kind of a secret weapon, because during that time of the month, they're retaining water really well over there in the desert, and they're really vicious. So,
0: (laughs) so." There was a, a very heavy-set person sitting at the exit row. And very heavy set These days you cannot sit at the exit row if you need a seatbelt extension. So, you can't even get out the door. How can you help other people get right, out the so door in case of an emergency? That puts us in a very awkward situation these days because we have to tell people they can't sit there. So there's this guy that we all know who's very German. Very German. He's from Deutschland. And um, so the passenger said, well, why can't I sit here? And he just says that how it is. Yeah, because you're too
1: fat. <laughs> I in the, ocean,
2: the was a rainbow. All the yes, wow, it's
3: beautiful sunsets. Uh, going into Los Angeles, and they were doing this what they call a civic arrival, landing to the west, and it was just it was a clear, wonderful day. And so planes were lined up; they had their uh, lights on, and they were all kind of lined up for visuals. And approach control was trying to vector in a Japan Airlines JL out from the north, and then bring him south. Then eventually going to turn him to the west uh, with the sun setting out over the Pacific. Everybody was enjoying the nice evening. There was a gap between an airplane and an American, and they were going to take JL and stick it in between uh, those two airplanes and it was going to lead American in. And American uh, was asked by approach control, uh, American 123, do you see JL? He's at 2 o'clock, big 747. And he's, what he's trying to do is get the, the American to say they see it so he can turn him loose visually. And, of course, everybody along the arrival, because they're lined up for 100 miles back out, could see this big 747 lumbering to the south to get in line. American goes negative. American 121, uh, uh, 123 doesn't see the JL. Of course, everybody's astounded, because everybody in the entire approach pattern could see this 747 lumbering around. So Amer- uh, approach control from LAX, SoCal is what they call it, once again says, American 123, you've got to be able to sit nice now. It's 1 o'clock. i put him in front of you for visual to uh, our runway uh, 25 left. Once again, American comes back. Negative contact on on uh, JL. And now, approaching tow is just exasperated because everybody else can see this airplane. He goes, American 123, you can't miss him. He's now 12 o'clock. He's 10 miles, big 747. you got to have him in sight. American snaps back. Negative. I told you I didn't have those damn Japs in sight. <laughs> There's this dead silence on the radio. And then suddenly this little Japanese voice comes on and goes, Oh, look into the sun, Yankee dog.
0: Medical situations can be very sticky.
3: We used to have airphones on all the aircraft
0: types. Now there are some aircraft types that don't have airphones in the cabin. We have a medical service that we can contact 24 hours a day when there is something happening on board that we don't know how to deal with and we need medical advice. But on those flights now that don't have the airphone in the cabin, we have to ask the pilots to help. They have to contact the medical people and then relay it back to us so you know they have to get involved in some of those medical sticky situations also uh, uh,
4: we're flying from uh, Dallas to Seattle and we get up to altitude and I get a, we get a pretty full flight and I got a call from the flight attendant at the back of the passenger experiencing some some pain in his, in his uh, upper groin lower uh, upper leg area Oh, really so now you know we got to do all the coordination with the radius and don't have the uh, air phones on board. so i'm basically have a first officer flying and talking on the radio and i'm thinking we're going to have to we're about over Denver when this happens I'm gonna i think we're going to spiral it down in denver because me first thing i think is possible heart attack stroke something like that well as time goes on as i get all the pieces of the puzzle it's taking forever coordination you know i'm trying to talk to them and talk to them air-med people and all that through UMP. So we started asking this question where exactly is the pain uh, directed while I had it? Turns out that the pain is direct, directed in his testicle area. <laughs> so we proceeded with all these pointed questions about you know, find out if he has uh, yeah, well, five what five one of the things that stood out. He yes, a whole bunch five, of these series five, of questions. Two, two, and this is a doctor on the other end. He goes, well, if there's a bloody discharge, I'm thinking, oh great, this is good, this is really good, I'm really enjoying this, you know. And so we get to the bottom and it turns out that the guy comes back and says, it sounds to me like he has testicular torsion. I said, what? Yes sir, I said, testicular torsion. What's that? (laughs) Twisted gonads, I guess. I said, oh that's very interesting, and he said, well, so said, it appears be a lot of pain, and uh, we may have to land short. And he goes, well, it should be okay. It should be okay, but it's uh, supposed And so, we finally, we get to Seattle, thank goodness. We get to, we get to the, uh, the airplane in Seattle. We had the paramedics meet the flight. This poor guy couldn't even walk. Down the aisle, and you need to, like, assistance, and they put them, like, in a wheelchair or
2: something
1: downstairs, and they took them off to the hospital. Oh, for real.
4: How
2: did they get them twisted? I, the 30. 30. I did, I <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs>
0: When I was traveling in India, we took some very, very long car rides, taxi rides, and traveling by car in India is just basically a nightmare there There's just animals in the road, and people on bikes with babies and there's there's nobody goes in any direction. everybody just honks and goes wherever they want. Cars keep going straight at each other really pretty fast until the very last- se- second and then they they swerve to get out of the way. It's like playing chicken it's very, very stressful and the other part about a long drive. Like almost an eight-hour drive in a car in India is that you have to be so very careful not to get sick there. You have to be so careful about what you eat that on this long eight-hour car ride my friends and I were taking, we weren't going to like eat on the side of the road. <laughs> and so we had prepared for this before we went and we had brought things like granola bars and trail mix and beef jerky just for those times where we knew we would not be able to eat and on this very long taxi ride we had three flat tires along the road so we had already were very uh feeling very thankful for our taxi driver to drive us all this way it was very difficult and we were eating some beef jerky in the taxi and we felt rude not offering the taxi driver some since you know he hadn't eaten either so we went ahead and offered him some thinking that he must know what it was but apparently he didn't because he took some of the beef jerky and he ate it and he immediately stopped the car got out and on the side of the road there was this very dirty pipe with water dripping out of it and he gets under there and he put his head under it and he stuck his tongue out and he was trying to you know get you know, wash his mouth out of this offensive thing because we had basically, you know, he was Hindu and we had given him cow and it's sacred and here we're giving him, you know, it's <laughs> it's very uncomfortable. And here we were just trying to be polite and instead we were completely offensive.
5: In Guantanamo Bay, Cuba, now we're doing the drug air intercept mission in the Falcon. And we did the F-16 radar in there, the APG-66 with the Westinghouse Clear. And we would do, uh, we would chase the bad guys coming in the United States to drop drugs. One of our operating bases was Gitmo. I've spent so much time in Gitmo, sitting there at the officers' club, throwing rocks at land crabs, waiting for you know Julio Iglesias to come up and go get them. Anyway, so we're sitting there, and uh, one of the things with Gitmo is you know you have a fence line with about, uh, I'd say it's a quarter mile final for runway. I want to say it's one zero. It's been a while since I've been there. It's called the fence line, you know, and you cannot be west of the fence or else the Cubans will shoot at you. At worst, the best, you're going to get a violation and be in big trouble. So anyway, we all sit there when we're not flying, the airplane's ready to go, and we grade and, you know, talk crap about the guys that would come in on short final for runway 10. All of a sudden we hear, we're sitting there at the uh, Oak Club, we hear this piece of crap turboprop coming behind us. Like, right over the Oak Club, behind behind us. it's obviously clearly west of the fence, clearly in, in deep kimchi, right? Blah, 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 blah,
3: blah.
5: What it was is this uh, Cuban turboprop was coming to drop off their pilot to retrieve a MiG-23 that had defected to uh, Gitmo about a week earlier, before we had gotten there. So they had a MiG-23 on the ramp, and the Cubans, of course, they don't care about Cuban airspace. They're flying right over. And they're dropping off the guy to get their plane. So we're like, oh, that's cool. Okay, that's our shit. Anyway, uh, so we're sitting there. Of course, you know Julio's not coming up yet. So next thing we hear is, you know, big twenty-three fire off. Starts getting up to the whole short line. Gets up there, afterburner, full vertical, full loop. You know, real nice little air show. Gives about twenty minutes of air show. Wings swinging up, forward, backward, doing his Cuban eight shit. I guess because he's a Cuban, you can do that. You know, and the next thing you know. He's out of there. Okay, so we all think that's really cool, and you know we're we're done with our deployment. We're talking to base ops, getting out of there. And we say, yeah, did everybody see the mig 23 yeah, That was pretty cool. The mig 23 did that thing. And uh, the base ops, the base ops guy said, yeah, it was the first time the guy had a full bag of gas because normally the Cubans they don't give him a full bag of gas because they'll defect. Oh, they so of course the Navy, we, they just filled him up. So he was like, oh my God, man, Ugh, let's see if this thing doesn't afterburn.
0: So that's why he was playing. That's why he's playing we were flying an all-nighter, and one of our co-workers' last name, great guy, his last name is Ho. So I was asking him what his kids' names were, and then we got into a game called Name the Ho. Ho. (laughs) So we came up with some, and uh, let's see. First we got... uh, Tally Ho. (laughs) We got Heave Ho.
1: We have Heidi Ho. Ivan Ho. (laughs)
0: Gung Ho. We are Miho. <laughs> Idaho. Yo-ho. A pirate's life for me. And then we got I'm a ho. Did we get I'm already? How about uh, Europe. you're a ho. My <laughs> ho. Ho-ho. And what we decided at the end is that everybody wants to be a ho. Everyone wants to be a ho. <laughs> meho ho
2: you-ho. We are all hoes. <laughs> So I was um, on approach into Houston and um, cleaning up everything in the galley, getting ready for landing. And I went to wash my hands right before landing. I opened the door and there is a woman in a sari in the bathroom and she has her back to me and her sari hiked all the way up and she's got towels, the hand towels from the lavatory and she's got them kind of up inside of her cleaning herself. So I quickly... Wait, wait, excuse me? She has what? The hand towels. The ones used to... She was using them to clean herself. Oh, oh, Um, her private areas. Her private areas, yeah. Quite well she was (laughs) trying to clean herself. Anyway, she looked like she was doing a pretty good job there. Anyway, um, so I slammed the door shut hoping that she didn't know that I'd just opened the door on her and seen what she was doing. I knocked on the door and I said, ma'am, ma'am, you have to come out, sit down, take your seat. We're getting ready to land. Well, she came out of the bathroom and she went to hand me those towels. Oh, my
0: goodness. (laughs) Well, like I said earlier, there'd be a story that would bring everything full circle. And that full circle comes in the form of a rainbow. I was hiking in the Himalayas with a friend for a week and it was... In the middle of the night, basically, one morning where our guide woke us up and said we should hike to the top of this hill to get a good view of the sun coming up. And you could see Everest, which does sound fabulous, except for when you don't sleep very well because you're at a high altitude and you have a headache from the altitude and you're kind of like, oh, I don't, I don't want to get up and, and hike up there. I <laughs> did anyway, of course, and got up to the top of the hill. And boy, was I rewarded. Actually saw a full Circle rainbow. I honestly didn't know that rainbows came full circle. I thought it was always the normal half circle rainbow, like we always see. But I guess in some parts of the world, at certain altitudes, you can see the actual whole rainbow. And not only was it a full circle rainbow, but I could see my reflection in the center of the rainbow and I kept thinking it must not really actually be me that I'm seeing and there you know so I kept started waving my arms that I could see myself moving in the center of the rainbows almost like the famous picture you know with the naked man his arms outstretched in the circle I believe that's da Vinci and no reason for this story was uh, in case anybody was at all slightly offended at any of the slightly off color stories. Hopefully, it all comes full circle like all the colors of the rainbow. Full circle rainbow. Unfortunately, gotta go all the way to the Himalayas to see that. Well, that's about it for this episode of Betty in the Sky with Suitcase. Hope you'll join me again next time so we can travel the world together. <laughs> valentine's day duncan's got the perfect pairings to show your love so get down on one knee with a dozen brownie batter donuts and a cocoa mocha signature latte or make them swoon with a strawberry dragon fruit duncan refresher with a cupid's choice donut are you ready for love america runs on duncan price and participation may vary limited time offer